You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. The podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. I'm really, really done. I want to go pick apples with you in October. I wish it was October. So we could go to. (laughs) I, um, I like to watch shows like Alone, which follows several, like 10 people in the cold, like in, in these like remote places where they have to like survive on their own for a certain number of days. But like, it's always a place where it gets really cold. Like I love watching those in the summer. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's what I need to do. Go yeah. down like a winter. Yes. Winter rabbit uh, hole. The last frontier. There is life below zero, which is a mm. great show to watch. That's you can watch that on Disney plus right now. Okay. It's a national geographic show. Yeah. There's some good stuff. Mm. It also, cause like, if I didn't have to kill and prepare my own food, I think that living completely isolated in Alaska or someplace cold would sound so nice to me. Like I would really enjoy that. <laughs> I'm like, um, I would, I, I need some fresh direct though. Still, I know, <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This fish has a head still. Could you take care of that for me? Yeah, please. <laughs> I just would like the filet. I don't want the whole thing. Can't debone it, please, too. I hate those bones. I hate those. <laughs> oh, they're awful. I'm always <laughs> so nervous that I'm going to, like, swallow one sideways yeah. and perforate my trachea, and then I'll die. I'll bleed out because I was trying to eat healthy. <laughs> Lordy, the things because I was taught like as a kid, mm-hmm. I wasn't taught this, but like when we were eating fish and I was little, mm-hmm. someone said, don't eat the bones. And like, I internalized that as yeah. if I eat the bones, it will kill me. <laughs> I think there's, there's a, a few things that are probably like that from when I was a kid yeah. where I finally, like as an adult learned the reasoning behind it. And then I was like, Oh, so it won't kill me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 We were, we were talking about escalators and the stories our families told us about escalators because I'd seen this Instagram, this Instagram reel of several people (laughs) who just narrowly, narrowly missed absolute disasters that they would have died from. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, one compilation was like this man and his daughter get off the escalator and it immediately just turns on itself and come I mean I'd never seen anything like it oh my god they stepped off immediately the thing just I'm telling you it turned into rubble whoa and so I was like this is all the fears I mean my fear of an escalator wasn't that it was going to turn into rubble my fear was that I was gonna like not step up in time and get sucked into the first and that's the lie I was told my whole (laughs) life as well that I would get sucked up under, but that was like watching that video was like the trigger. Oh man, that is that 
That kind of, st- I can't watch that kind of stuff because as much as it fascinates me, it also scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I just can't like, if it's my time, yeah, I'm, I'll accept it gracefully, yeah. but I don't want to, I don't want to like give myself visions of what could potentially be my end. <laughs> oh, Man. that's scary. Or for like, yeah. you know, like of, I saw a video of a woman who was walking on the sidewalk and she sees something that we don't see yet. And she like runs and is narrowly missed by a truck that is like, you know, sides like um, drifting towards Holy her. Mackerel. I know it's like stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. I hope that I will have that kind of instinct of survival. Yeah. When the time comes, but I don't need to constantly be replaying that moment in my head so that I, you know, like, so that I can maybe avoid something that could potentially happen. Like, no, can't do it. (laughs) But these videos were interesting, fascinating because it was like the people didn't see something coming. They were just like that, that, that father and his daughter, they're just riding up the escalator and then he turns around and it's just turning to rubble. Sheesh. And then there was another one I had seen like a week or two before where this man was like, he gets, he's in a parking garage. He gets out of his park. He gets out of his car, goes to the stairs and he just like jogs down. Like it's another day. The entire, like the parking lot collapses. And the only thing left is the staircase he's on. (laughs) I kid you not. I kid you not. And he like slowly walks up and looks around and like, yeah, in that moment, you're like, <laughs> did anyone else see that? <laughs> the whole thing. All the cars are destroyed. The whole oh thing just collapses, except gosh. for the out, the stairs that he's on. The one place that he happened to be standing. Yeah. Like, if that doesn't cause you to find some sort of a faith, <laughs> I don't know what will. Yeah. Like, if that moment doesn't cause you to go, Praise be to Allah or thank God <laughs> yeah. or, you know, yeah. Hari Krishna. I, I, I'm running out of <laughs> phrases, but like if that there doesn't just cause you in that moment to go there, it, there has to be some sort of divine protection yeah. that just helped me. Wow. Was like, not that one. They're not ready to go. <laughs> because, I mean, he was just, it was like, he just like, he jauntily jogged down the stairs yeah. like I would do. Yeah. And like it just, just going down totally the stairs. Do, yeah. do, do, do what? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. This is stuff like that. But yeah, yeah that, that escalator one, I was like, that just triggered everything I was told about <laughs> getting sucked under. Yes. And then I, I forgot the, I forgot what my roommate was told, but she was told like another scary lie about escalators. I was oh, like, wow. what was the fear that like, were, you, were they afraid we were going to play on them? I don't understand why. No, I don't. Like, and I'm like grown and I'm still a little afraid that thing might suck well, me under. I, cause I, w- <laughs> there have been escalators in my immediate past mm-hmm. when I was nannying. Yeah. But I never said anything. I hopefully never said anything that would have scarred him. I just yeah. was like, okay, remember, look for the stair and then take a step. When I take a step, you take a step. Mm-hmm. But it was never like, I would never have been like, you got to take a step. Otherwise, you're going to get sucked underneath. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The things boomers, we're taught man. to be afraid of. Those boomers. Yeah. I also kind of wonder, though, how much of that came from, like, my older brother and sister, too, trying to, like, mm. mess with me. Because I don't ever really remember who told me those things. Yeah. Just that they were told to me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh. to say? Well, uh, if you don't know already, yeah, you're listening to Theater Geeks Anonymous. Mm. Yeah, you the intro. We have the intro. They yeah, know. I mean, yeah, you, you, you knew what you were. Doing I mean, you clicked on too. you clicked on play. That's true. And you saw our logo. Very little our adorable these logo. days. Oh my gosh, the the cutest little cartoon logo. <laughs> Let's give a shout out to your friend again. What is Jayma. her name? Jayma McMahon. She's amazing. She is, and she takes commissions. She does. So, um, she turned you into a superhero. She, she did. She turned me and uh, my niece and nephew into superheroes. <laughs> She's it's she, her work's wonderful. Yeah, and, is. um, if any of you watch Mega June, if you stay till the end, you'll see some of her artwork. Fun. Um, 
So yeah, she's, she, it's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> I look at it cute. and I just, I, it's, it's delightful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's very little that you can do anymore nowadays. That's by accident. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Strap on your seatbelt. Let's get this party rolling. This is going to, this is going to be a regular one, friends. This is, this is yes. going to be one of our standard regular old episodes yep. mm-hmm. going Where back just... to our roots roots <laughs> i roots. always said that word roots uh-huh but whenever i say a phrase like i just said yeah i feel like i have to say roots roots <laughs> I, last night i was talking about um what i don't even know how i got on this tangent about Oh, because we're talking about the movie Nope and where the title of the movie Nope comes from, which is just right. Exactly. It's just when black people are see something crazy and they're like, nope, I'm out of here. That's that's where it comes from, even though some people think it's not of planet Earth because they're I don't know why they think that, but that's not what that's not what the title comes from. And so then I was talking about Stanley in the office and like how he how he was. And then um. Then I went down, like, I thought about this scene on the office bloopers where oh, I laughed I I've so hard it, just thinking yes. about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but because, remind me. Because when Pamela said roots, I thought about how there's this um, blooper of the office where he and um, Steve Carell are arguing. And he, he's he's always saying, like, he has diabetes, but... But Stanley goes, <laughs> okay, I'm going to get this out. I'm going to get this out. Stanley always goes, I, now I'm laughing already. I just stop laughing. What, why do you think I always have diabetes? <laughs> As he says, instead of saying diabetes, it's like, why, why do you always think I have diabetes? <laughs> that whole and then it keeps going and they break each other and they're all (laughs) laughing hysterically my favorite thing i've not really watched the office the series i watched the british office so like i never really got into the american office but i there is nothing better than the bloopers from the american office yeah yeah i love them they're so good also crossover when ricky gervais is on yeah and there's a fantastic (laughs) blooper of him steve corral breaking him (laughs) oh oh my goodness ricky gervais's laugh when he Uh, is is exquisite it is so high pitched and just so he's just gone like he's done for you he can't stop and it's so good it's good i love ricky gervais me too and i love steve corral me too Yep, me too. <laughs> but we're not talking about either of those two. No, today. we're not. Today we're talking about a show from the 80s. Yes, from the very early 80s. In yeah. fact, 1980. Yes. Called Musical Chairs. Not the game. Not the game. And that was something that I had to tell Google. Was <laughs> that I was <laughs> uh Google, I'm not interested in the game. Yeah. Or the etymology or history of said game. I want to know about musical chairs, Broadway, 1980. You have to put the whole thing in. It's the only way that you get it. And even then, I know I was telling you this before. Yeah. It was a very difficult show to find any information about. So this is going to be an interesting thing. Uh, And at the very end, there's a little surprise guest appearance from Ebony. You don't even know yet. I did. You're in it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so musical chairs. I did find some information on IBDB, Playbill.com, and also BroadwayWorld.com. Anything else? I will mention when I'm speaking about it. Awesome. So this is an original story. A uh, story concept, which. Mm-hmm in and of itself is rather remarkable since we don't really have a lot of original concepts anymore on Broadway. If you listen to our intermission, so you will know what I'm talking about. All movies now, all movies made into musicals, uh, which will then be turned back into movies, movie musicals. That's right. (laughs) 
sheets. That's right. Ugh, and they'll just be terrible. But I bet James Corden will be in them. <laughs> I'm feeling a little sassy right now. Well, <laughs> it's warranted. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> the original story concept was by Larry J. Pontillo, who also helped to write the book. It is essentially a story about members of an audience who watch the opening night opening night performance of an off-Broadway play. That was the synopsis. For real? Yeah. So, and I'll get into this a little bit later. I mean, it was yeah. the 80s of yeah. musicals, which was not a great decade for it, the... No, it was not. And in fact, one of the sources that I have listed everything from that season... And I'll go into detail on what the percentage of flops. I feel was. like I remember. Now I think I know why I'm in this one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first preview was May 6, nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. It opened officially May fourteenth, and then closed promptly afterward on May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. It had a total of six previews and fourteen performances, and was at the Rialto Theater, which was demolished in two thousand and two, and spent oh. the majority of its life as an adult movie house. It only housed five Broadway shows in its entire life. Wow. The Rialto. I know. I didn't even know about this until doing my research. Uh, lyrics and music were by Tom Savage. Book by Tom Savage, Barry Berg, Ken Donnelly, and again, Larry J. Pontillo, or Pontillo, uh, who created the original story concept. Tom Savage started out as an actor obviously wrote this musical but now he writes novels and stuff he is the <laughs> author <laughs> he's the author of 10 suspense novels and i couldn't find really much more about him so i think oh, this wow. was this was his only musical uh, maybe his only foray into and and i will also say too when i was looking up this musical a lot of the terminology around it was a play with music okay so i'm not sure I think that it's still a musical because they're all yeah. still original music written for the show. Right. But everywhere else it said play with music. So maybe that's just because the actual show itself is about a play being done on an off-Broadway show. Yeah. I don't know. It's, anyway. So it's very confusing and very meta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Tom Savage was not the only member of the creative team. However, when I tried to research the rest, I could not find anything. <laughs> Are you serious? And like, as far as Wikipedia was concerned, they had nothing for me. They had nothing to say about any of this. There was like this big blank spot where musical chairs should be on wikipedia.com. So... Because <laughs> that's um, usually like my main source of information. Right. And like that will help to lead me down different rabbit holes. But there right. was absolutely nothing. So there wow. you go. <laughs> I know. The cast included Enid Blaymore, Tom Breslin, Edward Earl, Randall Easterbrook, Rick Emery, Joy Franz, Ron Holgate, Grace Kiki, Patty Carr, and Scott Ellis. Oh, wow. Yes. That's Scott Ellis, who before he became a director, performed on Broadway in the original casts of the 1980 original musical Musical Chairs and The Rink, starring Liza Minnelli and Cheetah Rivera. He has directed numerous off-Broadway and Broadway productions. Ellis has also been the Associate Artistic Director for the Roundabout Theater since 1998 He's been nominated for the Tony Award as Best Director nine times, the revival of She Loves Me in, two, in 1994, Steel Pier, uh, revival of 1776 in 98, 12 Angry Men, Curtains, uh, Mystery of Edwin Drood in 2013, You Can't Take It With You, She Loves Me Again in 2016, Tootsie, uh, he received a 1991 Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Director of a Musical for And the World Goes Round. He won the Olivier Award as Best Director for the musical She Loves Me, though it doesn't say which one, so I'm not sure if that meant the 94 version or the 2016. Okay. Uh, And then basically I had to do a deep dive for information. (laughs) So that's where everything uh, up to this point would have just been Wikipedia, right? Then just nothing. It was absolute internet silence. 
until I started watching one of the videos that they've got listed for a performance done by Anne L. Nathan. I clicked on this video and I was greeted by you and I know Jennifer Ashley Tapper. Tapper, yeah. Yep. Uh, so Ebby and I know that Jennifer Ashley Tupper and perhaps some of our other listening audience members know um, Jennifer is a fellow fan of Broadway musical theater and, and a historian she, and a historian. And she loves to find little known shows mm-hmm. along with Kevin Michael Murphy and Caleb Hoyer. They've created a live show that kind of speaks about and has performances of these shows mm-hmm. In their show entitled, If It Only Ever Runs a Minute, Mm -hmm. which played on June 27th of 2012 at Les Poissons Rouges, musical chairs is mentioned, and a number is performed by Anne L. Nathan. Here is a transcript that I typed up while listening to the YouTube video of the inside info that they had for musical chairs. And I literally was like, a couple of words here, pause, type it out. (laughs) So that was Mm -hmm. fun. (laughs) So... Musical Chairs was a show about an audience that took place in an off-Broadway theater. A Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning playwright named Joe Preston is making a comeback after a dry spell, and we see what happens in the audience on opening night of his newest play. Among the characters are his ex-wife, suburbanites on dates, matinee ladies, and three critics in the audience whose characters were only called Uh, or were called only blue suit, brown suit, and tuxedo. (laughs) Now, Ron Holgate played the part of the playwright, but left halfway through the run. That is, he left after one week. Right, because I was like, the run wasn't very long. (laughs) Exactly. The rest of the cast was mainly unknowns. A future five-time Tony-nominated director, Scott Ellis, made his Broadway debut as the juvenile, who just wants to impress his date, now, Women's Wear Daily called him a hardworking new face. The show was 25-year-old Susan Stroman's second Broadway credit. She assistant directed and assistant choreographed musical chairs, and it was her first time doing this on Broadway. Wow. Frank Rich panned the show, but said, let's just say that musical chairs is inhabited by game, dignified musical comedy troopers, who for the moment have nowhere to go but up. One of the critic characters had a gay love song addressed to one of the actors. So this was a gay love song in the 80s. Mm. Clive Barnes called it simply a very sweet evening. He said, perhaps there is still life for the Broadway musical that costs us, uh, oh, that costs, perhaps there is still life for a Broadway musical that costs, That is not correct. Uh, I can't. Okay. So whatever is typed here is not accurate (laughs) to what the transcript says. And I'm not exactly sure what the wording should be, but what his sentiment was, perhaps there's still life for a Broadway musical that doesn't cost a million dollars. Yeah. But we shall see. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) I'm not a secretary. (laughs) Um, All right. So it was 1980. So these were... Oh, and because of what Clive Barnes said, they remarked in the show, it was 1980, so these were famous last words. Mm-hmm. Backstage called it a small jewel with joyful originality and a Broadway music, oh, uh, and said, see it if you want to relax and have fun. While some critics found musical chairs sweet, Frank Rich opened his review with, at the oh, no. risk of going out on a long limb, I'll come right out and say it. Reggae is no longer the worst musical of the 1979-1980 season. That honor has passed on to musical chairs. Oh, no. I just think maybe Frank Rich didn't find a really comfortable outfit to wear or nice shoes because, like, he's just always kind of (laughs) mean. The review only went downhill from there. The show is very small, and with no stars and a Bad Times review, it closed quickly. Now, despite its flaws, the show had a bright, tuneful score by Tom Savage. One of the numbers, perhaps the most meta of the show, came at the end of the first act. And this is when Anne L. Nathan came out to sing Hit the Ladies, 
which is essentially a song about booking it to the bathroom at intermission because theaters never have enough stalls to accommodate a 15 (laughs) minute break. (laughs) Hilarious. And just when I thought I had nothing else to share, I reached out to Ebony who suggested (laughs) I do a search in Google books. So now I shall read to you what I found in that search. Starting with, let me switch pages. Starting with the complete book of 1980s Broadway musical by Dan Dietz. All right. So that reads, if a chorus line offered an audience the perspective of watching the casting call of a new Broadway musical, why not create a musical about the audience itself? And so musical chairs looked at the assortment of audience members attending the opening night of new off-Broadway drama called Forest of Shadows. The musical focused on the drama's playwright, Joe Preston, who was played by Ron Holgate. A formerly successful writer with one Pulitzer Prize and two Tony Awards to his credit, but who in recent years hasn't had much in the way of success and is now hoping that Forest of Shadows will put him back in the winner's circle. Among those in the audience are Lillian and Harold, as well as Janet and Gary. Those were played by Patty Carr and Brandon Maggart uh, for Lillian and Harold. Janet is played by Joy Franz and Gary is played by Jess Richards. Both somewhat mismatched couples. Lillian is upwardly mobile in terms of culture, and she helpfully explains to Harold that Forest of Shadows is an expressionistic drama, uh, the kind of play in which subjective thoughts are shown through a variety of non-naturalistic techniques (laughs) that include abstraction, distortion, and symbolism. But Harold would rather be home watching a Mets game. Uh, Miranda, played by Leslie Ann Wolfe, and Brad, Randall uh, Easterbrook, a couple on their first date, uh, Millie, played by Enid Blaymore, and Roberta Grace Kegi, are two matrons excited about attending an opening night. Uh, Roberta is certain she should uh, she could have had a great career in show business, but instead of being an, a Dolores Del Rio type, she was more in the style of Marie Dressler. Valerie Brooks, played by Lee Meredith, is a starlet, and Joe's former wife, a young man. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, sorry, this is very small writing. A young man, boyfriend, played by Scott Ellis, impatiently waiting for his date, Sally, who misses the entire show. And three critics, brown suit, blue suit, and tuxedo, all of whom play musical chairs as they go from theater to theater every night reviewing the latest plays and musicals. Tuxedo is disconcerted to discover he'll have to review the performance of a former boyfriend who's in the cast of Forest of Shadows. Not surprisingly, things generally sort themselves out. It appears that Forest of Shadows will be a hit and that Joe and Valerie are destined to tie the knot again. Further, Boyfriend is happily surprised when the elusive Sally finally shows up during the curtain calls of musical chairs. The little joke worked well and the musical's assistant director and choreographer, Susan Stroman, came on for just the finale, uncredited as the elusive Sally. That's kind of fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Ron Cohen in The Woman's Wear Daily found the musical dreary and said the thought of turning around and watching the audience watch musical chairs seemed a more bearable prospect than watching musical chairs itself. And Patricia O'Hare in the New York Daily News said that for $20 a ticket, the musical wasn't enough and it required better music, a new lyricist, and a stronger book. Gosh, $20 in 1980 must have been a fortune. If that's what you're saying about it. (laughs) Frank Rich in the New York Times proclaimed that the honor of the season's worst musical had now passed from reggae to musical chairs. He recalled that for the former musical, a radio broadcast of the Knicks game had found its way into the theater sound system. And he suggested the producers of musical chairs should have piped a Mets game into the Rialto theater speakers. Mm. And noted he'd even settle for the collected hits of Jerry Vale. He concluded that the musical's performers were game and dignified and had nowhere to go but up. But Clive Barnes in the New York Post had an absolutely adorable time and enjoyed the modest and low-key rather than splashy and razzmatazz musical. Mm -hmm. The major flaw was the music. It was by no means unpleasant, but was never more than conventional. But the evening was sweet and left him with a warm afterglow. While Forest of Shadows seemed poised to be a hit, Musical Chairs was not. It ran for less than two weeks. Midway through its brief run, Ron Holgate and Grace Key left the cast and were succeeded by Tom Urich, 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 
Tom Urich and Helen Blunt. The cast recording, which includes Urich and Blunt, was released by Original Cast Records, and the script was published in softcover by Samuel French in 1982. As How's the House, musical chairs had, uh, had first been produced in the showcase production uh, of oh, Off-Off-Broadway at the Park Royal Theater during October 79. For Off-Off-Broadway, Scott Newborn was the director and choreographer, and Susan Stroman was the assistant director and choreographer. Duties, she also performed for the Broadway production. Cast members who later appeared in the Broadway version were Scott Ellis, Enid Blaymore, Leslie Ann Wolf, Eileen McCabe, Rick Emery, Lee Meredith, and songs heard in the off-off-Broadway production, uh, but cut for the Broadway, were Is Everyone Happy? Uh, oh, Is Everybody Happy? Excuse me. What's Going On? And Stop the Presses. Ellis and Stroman later collaborated as respective director and choreographer for the John Kander and Fred Ebb off-Broadway tribute review And the World Goes Round in 1991 and Kander and Ebb's Broadway musical Steel Pier in 1997. That is what that says. Okay. Let me go back to my other page. Here we go. Lots of different web pages open. <laughs> so another book that I found um, that I actually may be going back to again and again, and in fact, Ebony and I just purchased on Amazon today. <laughs> <laughs> it lists the shows of each season and tells you the end result, but it uses flop and hit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That one is called The Broadway Musical, colon, Collaboration in Commerce and Art by Bernard Rosenberg and Ernest Harburg. And we've added it to our collection. So yeah. now I'm going to read what I found in that, which is just a list, right? It's just a list of the shows that were in 1979-1980 season. Okay. That include The Mad Woman of Central Park West, Go To Go Disco, <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, got to go disco, but two is spelled T-U. Broadway Opry 79, but never jam today. Peter Pan, Evita, the 1940s radio era hour, Sugar Babies, the most happy fella. And then you've got the King of Schmorers. <laughs> Oklahoma, Coming Uptown, Canterbury Tales, West Side Story, Reggae, Happy New Year. Barnum, a day in Hollywood, a night in the Ukraine, and musical chairs. Let me see if they've listed any more. I think that that's the end of the page that I can view on mm -hmm. Google Books. But what it also does is that you kind of can control, scroll over, if I can speak today, and it'll tell you um, the theater that it performed at, when it opened, when it closed, the number of performances that it had, and then it tells you the end result, which I mentioned before, says mm -hmm. flop or hit. So I'm just going to read down the list again oh, no. with just flops or hits, and you tell me what percentage of flops you think that this season might have had. Oh, no. Flop, 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 flop. Hit, hit. Flop, hit. Flop, 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 oh, flop, no. flop, hit, hit, flop. Oh. I know. I'm like, really, honestly, it kind of correlates to the amount of um, performances they had. Mm -hmm. So like in the case of Peter Pan and Evita, both of those were considered hits. Right. And they were Peter, long running. Right. Peter Pan actually only had 578 performances mm -hmm. uh, but Evita had 1568 1568 mm -hmm. but then you've got a show that had 301 performances and that was Oklahoma but it was considered a flop so it is mm -hmm. kind of interesting you know what what that might be about um was that the, that was the revival of Oklahoma that was a revival was the revival yes because the original yeah. was back in the 50s yeah I didn't even know they did a revival of Oklahoma in the 80s. Yeah. I guess this would have been the 70s because it opened. So it opened at the palace. Oh, you know what it also does? It tells you whether it's new or a revival mm -hmm. in, in the letters. And oh, I, didn't know the, cool. I didn't know the meaning of the letters until you just said that was the review. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's an R next to it. That mm -hmm. means review or revival. revival. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, so yes, it, uh, rev- it opened the revival of Oklahoma at the palace theater on December 13th, 79, and mm. then closed in August of 1980, the okay. end of August. So it had 301, but like I said, it was considered a flop. So possibly flop just means it didn't recoup Yeah, or maybe yeah. it lost money. Yeah. But it's usually about recoupment. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Um, the Rialto sounds familiar to me as well, because what I was thinking about was, I swear I mentioned it in another episode that I did. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I didn't even but look up I to went, see what the other shows were, so maybe well, I'll do that I now. looked them up, and then I was like, well, I didn't, oops, I didn't do any of those. So there's like, on Playbill, this is what's on Playbill. Okay. Um, I don't know that it, this is totally correct, because then I also saw a picture of um a sign I, I saw a picture of the interior like the lobby mm-hmm. and there was a sign for a play or musical called cat people <laughs> so i don't know that this is like the most comprehensive i don't know if this is, list is correct but what yeah. playbill tells me okay is there was a show called blues in the night the world of shalom alaikum marlowe Musical Chairs, Canterbury Tales. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just looked up and Canterbury Tales was in the Rialto. It only had 16 performances from February 12th to February 24th of 1980. So Musical Chairs, a couple of months, they switched over the set and they were in. Oh, that's fun. When we get this book, I'm going to have to look through and see what the other show, like what kind of like, oh, there's going to be so much information in this book. Yeah. I feel like yeah, even more than I originally thought. Because I mean, uh, like we could just go by number of performances too. Because like the got to go disco number played oh at the Minskoff. Oh, wow. Eight performances. Uh, I mean, that title. I know, right? But never jam today was at the Lunt or at the Long Acre, and it only had seven performances. Um, so like That's even amazing. just doing that, that might be fun too. Oh, here's one that had one performance. That's called "The Utter Glory of Morrissey Hall." It doesn't have the full title. It's um, there's an an ellipsis in there. Okay, but that had uh, one performance at the Mark Hellinger. Uh, oh, bless the Mark Hellinger. <laughs> I mean, it's still up. It's still beautiful. You know, yeah. the, the uh, Times Square Church has it, and that's mm-hmm. why it's still It's a up. gorgeous theater. Beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> I was looking at also uh, information about the Rialto. Yeah. And it said the building also contained a TV studio called Times Square Studios, not related to the studio owned by ABC. It was once home to daytime talk shows hosted by uh, Geraldo Rivera and Montel Williams. The build- <laughs> Fun. Mm-hmm. They said it was torn down and a high rise mm. was erected in its place. That doesn't surprise me. Of course not. <laughs> I am really um, looking forward to when the palace is usable again. Yeah. Yeah. And if they, like, I know they were going to do some renovations on her too. Um, but, you know, she's getting raised. That's so weird. Am- I mean, I love that they're doing it. I hope that the whole theater doesn't fall apart while they try. Oh, she's That's so kind old. of my biggest fear. And well, all of these theaters are. Yeah. She's old and they're she's very hundreds big. Hundreds of years old. Yeah. And Plus, she, I mean, it's like it's been sitting in one yeah. position for that long, but you've also got the buildings next to it so close. I I, I don't understand how it even Mm-mm. I don't understand how they did it, but I mean, they're doing it. It looks like it's pretty much raised to where yeah. it's going to be. Okay. And now there, it looks like the building of the stores underneath is what's happening now. Okay. Um, she's getting like a whole new lobby because of that and stuff, yeah. but you know, she'll be cool. Yeah. She's so it'll pretty. Be, it'll be kind of neat to find out which show is going to go in once she's done. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it was like the perfect time. I think um, the speed, like the time got sped up because of COVID. Yeah. So they were able to work on it more since a lot of things were shut down. Yeah. Um, 
So it's going to take less time than they first had expected. That's but great. it's still a long time. It's like years or something. Well, it's, it's still going to be. I can't imagine. It's one of the biggest theaters yeah. on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I saw there was. I, I'm confused as to whether uh, it was because I don't know the dates off the mm-hmm. top of my head. Um, an American in Paris or Sunset Boulevard. Okay. I feel Sunset Boulevard was probably last, but I'm not sure. Man, I mm. wish they would get that. That's one. Okay. That's my exception to the movie turn to a musical turn to a movie okay the oh an american musical Paris. is the musical is terrible like i'm not <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to i'm well, not going to and the lyrics are bad it's, it's very not vanilla the whole thing is yes. just kind of one flavor it's not good but glenn close is living yeah. her best flipping life in that show she, you know and honestly here's it's the thing it's wonderful just to watch her okay so she's freaking amazing. Yeah. If the rest of the cast had matched that energy, mm-hmm. the show would have been amazing. The show would have created the story that they wanted to tell. It is, it's one of those things where everyone has to have a heightened sense of reality. Yeah. Or it doesn't work. And in the show, Glenn was the only one. Glenn and maybe... Um, Oh, not Len Carry You. Who played George Hearn? George okay, Hearn, I just saw the Butler. I, I've only seen the revival. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know who played it in the revival, but when she, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Glenn Close, to me at least, and I didn't see it. I just listened to it, so that's yeah. another issue also mm-hmm. at hand, and I understand that. Um, but she, in at least in the recording, was the mm-hmm. only one that had that kind of like the stakes are so high. Yeah. I could die tomorrow. Like the, those are the stakes. If we don't get this show uh, you know, if we don't, if, if I don't play Salome, it, then, yeah. you know, if you, do, if you aren't my boyfriend, if, if we don't live in this house together, like everything is yeah. high stakes for her. And so because it isn't the same way with everyone else, it brings down her performance. It, or it, makes it look crazy. No, I, I, I will just say in seeing her, it, yeah, it, her performance, she's so. <laughs> I don't know how to explain how set apart, yeah, from the production, yeah, that she is. So that the lyrics, I think, are horrible. Oh, they're terrible. Um. And the, the, the she's not a singer, and we know no, that. No, but she it, doesn't it have to be. But matter. like, look, it's like it, it's a stupid. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it she's doesn't. So I can't. She's you know, I cannot explain. She just is. She's like set apart from the production. She's like the lyrics are horrible. Yeah. Um. People were not meeting her energy. Yeah. But it didn't damper her. And I yeah. think too because I saw the revival. She's like the perfect age now, yes, too. You know what yes. I mean? And so that like she's having the most fun. She's on there and she's that part is like what it's supposed to be when she's in it. And it's yeah. just so she's like so perfect. And so this is like the only reason because, again, it's not a sh- like I love the movie, but the movie also has like this awesome camp factor factor yeah. because of Gloria Swanson. Yes. And it's and like, because it was, Glenn it was black matches and white. That. It was set, totally set in that time that, yeah. Definitely. And Glenn matches that energy. Yeah. Like she's totally like, she's living her best life in that show. She's being as like, she's, she's like Pamela said, the stakes are like a hundred percent and, and the, the show's not good, but she's awesome. And so it's like, I, I just want it captured how majestic she is in that <laughs> role for all eternity. And that's yes. why I want the movie, not because the show is good, but because she's wonderful in it. Yeah. And I just need somebody. 
I need generations after she's gone to understand what the rest of us are talking about. I love it. I'm happy. To, I'm happy to have that happen. Yeah. Happy to. I, I do hope, though, they have because it, it was supposed to happen when Hugh and her were doing it. OK. And then I don't know what happened. That just never popped off. I've mentioned okay. this like several times because like he blew up and so it would have been sort of perfect. Yeah. Um, but now I, I don't know. He I, he might be too old to play the part now. I don't really know because I don't know what the I don't know how old. Um, eh, probably like late 20s, early 30s. Is that how old Will Holden was? I don't remember. I didn't. I mean, that's a good question. The thing is, I feel like when the movie first existed, everyone seemed older than they were right there was yeah. always that kind of sensibility everyone wore a three-piece suit even if you were like 18 so yeah. you, you always seemed to and because it was also that kind of film noir style yeah. um he, there was a gravitas to his performance so he could he could have been 20 30 50 for all we yeah. know i don't know yeah i, no I think he needs to be old enough that he has succeeded in his business or not succeeded in his business but yeah. young enough that he's still able to be emotionally manipulated by an older woman right right yeah I just oh man yeah anyway we've gone down a rabbit hole <laughs> yes we have we've gone down a oh, rabbit hole. and I'm and I'm gonna uh just add on to what we talked about in our intermission episode yeah uh, that we just did when you were talking about being conventionally attractive with yeah. uh, Barbara Streisand and the things that were said to her in other auditions mm -hmm. before she booked Funny Girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Glenn Close is another one of those actresses who is mm -hmm. not conventionally or societally pretty. Mm -hmm. And she had, she'd faced a lot of backlash for a lot of the roles that she played when she was younger, mm. including what's the one, um, Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction. Hmm. That was, yeah. She faced a lot of backlash. And a lot of the backlash came from, like, producers, director, studio. I mean, it's, it's never-ending. You know, Viola Davis, our queen mother, hmm. you know, she... That, that, that's why there's T-shirts now called... Because um, oh, they <laughs> said she wasn't... It wasn't conventionally beautiful... Oh, now I can't remember. It was something like that. And so there was like a New York Times. There's a, I think it was a New York Times article. Uh, may not have been, but I think it was that came out when, uh, how, how to get away with murder came out. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that, you know, she wasn't um, conventionally beautiful. <laughs> I just think that's such a, a load of crap, too, because oh, she was. Like, but then there was a whole, but it launched this whole thing about mm. like, you know, pay, brown bag, mm. the, being darker skinned yeah. and all of that. And this whole dialogue around that. And a lot of like well-known actresses who are darker skinned, you know, like our other queen mother, Audra yeah. McDonald. Who, yes. Like, I mean, she talked about it a lot. What happened there? I mean, we're just this is like wonder... constant P.S. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for The Woman King? No. Oh, my Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I'll look it up. It is it is a mate. It's the oh my god. <laughs> it's Viola. Wanna, yeah, oh, and I love Viola Davis. The yeah. thing is, and this is what I wonder, and I don't know. Yeah. This is just conjecture from me. I though I yeah. wonder how much of it was backlash uh calling out her appearance, but mostly based on the fact that her character was a very strong, very controlled and focused right. woman who was in charge. And like how right. much of it was really about how she like, you know, because guys are dumb, right? You well, know, it was a woman. That was the oh, problem. That oh, that's even grosser. Classically beautiful. That was that was it. But it was a woman who wrote that article. And that's why it was just like, what in the what was this white lady? That, because then it was like this whole other dialogue about like white feminism and, you know, and how yeah. we're just always classically beautiful. That's what Stupid. it was. So it was like a whole line of shirts about like I'm yeah. classically beautiful and stuff Ooh, like that. I'm gonna get a shirt that I want to. I want to get a shirt that says classically beautiful. <laughs> I think it's still up. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> looked in in ages. 
Anywho, I think this is the end of this episode. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, I do want to say if anybody knows anything more about musical chairs, if they were there, yeah, if you know, Scott Ellis uh, <laughs> or any of the other actors who were in it or Susan Stroman, um, you know, let us know because yeah. I would love to hear an anecdotal story, especially I'd love to know why those people left after a week. And they, they must have known that the show was not going to continue for much longer right. after that. So why didn't they just stay? I know. Because I've not heard of either one of those people again. Since. Right. Or since. Right. Grace Kiki and Ron Holgate. No. So if they That's were doing it to curious. preserve their career. Didn't work. Well, then also it's like, I don't think that's necessary to leave the show. I mean, to leave. It's a week. Like, you didn't even give it a chance to fail or succeed. I mean, unless they got fired because the bad reviews. And you know how they love to blame an actor who it's not their fault. Yeah, that's very true. So that's also possible. That is very. And he was the lead. Mm -hmm. Ron Holgate was the lead. That's interesting. That's an interesting point of view. Yeah. I'm inclined to believe that over Mm -hmm. him just leaving because he didn't like being there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, who knows, but I'm curious if anybody knows exactly what happened there. We'd love to know that. I have to see, because there was that forum that I used to read all the time on Broadway World, but nothing came up on there either. I I also sometimes all that chat Mm, um, is good for things like that. I was looking up something weird the other day. I can't remember what it was. It was like literally a couple of days ago and all that (laughs) chat had some answers for me. <laughs> the dogs no. are done. So thank done. you, friends. And I'm done too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. No, stop. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, Drop us a note at TGABY at gmail.com. You can also support us by going to patreon.com forward slash TGABWAY. Until Until next time, time, geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.